And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, John, it's really nice to have you here today. Um, Plain Answer uh, this week is really a potpourri of uh, contemporary issues and uh, personalities Uh, In the news, um, just recently, Margaret Thatcher has passed away. Uh, We heard about Pope Francis and his, I guess it's an election to to become the Pope. Uh, Other personalities. Uh, I know that Edith Schaefer passed away. And uh, first, before we get started, I just want to say that uh, this studio where we are right now is out in the boonies, and I don't know if you can hear it, but our rooster decided to start crowing in the background, and um, in one of the rooms is a dog. Our daughter Rachel and son-in-law Andrew's dog is here, so uh, you may hear a bunch of unusual noises today. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the real world. I don't know which personality you'd like to talk about first, but uh, I'll let you uh, let's, kick it off. Let's start off with Edith Schaefer. Maybe many people out there don't know Edith Schaefer. I Met her, my wife uh, knew her, and uh, Edith, of course, uh, if you need a reference point, she was the wife of Francis Schaefer, mm-hmm. and she recently passed away, and she was 98 years of age. 98. 98. What a ripe age. <laughs> uh, she uh, had a, a great lineage. Her father, uh, Dr. Seville, lived to be 103. Mm. He was a missionary to China. And one of the interesting tidbits is that Edith, uh, for a while, lived uh, in the city of Newburgh. It's and very local here. Yeah, she went That's up. Remarkable. Went to NFA Academy. Her father was the pastor of the church that I now pastor, uh, and he was there for let's see, back in the twenties, maybe for uh, four or five years. That's remarkable. It uh, is of Westminster. Yes, of Westminster Presbyterian. And, no. and Edith's passing away is, um, uh, to me, an important event, not because I knew her uh, as such, um, but her influence. Mm. Uh, she was a, a prolific writer, and she had uh, an interest, uh, a strong interest in families and, and young women that they might, of course, grow in the grace and knowledge of, of Christ and mm-hmm. and. Um, Anyone who ever attended one of her uh, lectures or, or one of her home meetings, she used to get the seminary students' wives together, and it beautiful. was always a long evening. She had the, the gift of gab. She would talk two or three hours to That's them. That's beautiful, though. I love that. I, I do remember, and this wasn't with Edith, but years ago, Debbie, my wife, and I went down to Nyack College, and um, Francis Schaefer was a guest there, and he sat in the chair and spoke into the microphone, and so we actually had the privilege of seeing him one time. Edith uh, uh, was was very creative. She she made much out of very little, and you know, when they first started yes. their ministry and went to Labrie in Switzerland, uh, Labrie means the shelter, they took in these... Uh, sometimes vagabonds and wandering students from all over Europe and Amer- and U.S. And lots of after they became famous, lots of people would, would drop by. But she was great at hospitality mm-hmm. and welcoming people. And, and, and you could see, if you will, uh, true gifts of the Spirit in her, in her life, quite evident. Mm-hmm. Great person, and I, I think her reputation will continue to grow because she was a woman 
of extraordinary depth and 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 love for people. One of the things we could take from this right away is the notion of the older women taking the younger women under their care and tutelage. And she felt them. that as her mission. Yeah, never lost an opportunity to encourage young women to to uh, be creative mm. when they had very little, uh, to live modest lives. Um, she was uh, 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 extraordinary that way. I'm increasingly admiring the apprenticeship model, and uh, not every student, for example, out of high school or homeschooling is uh, meant to go into college, and so much is to be gained by um, getting under uh, the good training of someone who's skilled in some particular area. No question, and she did that. She served, if you will, as a tutor for for many, many young people, Mm -hmm. and um, she was not only extolled uh, in Europe and America uh, for her faithfulness. Uh, what what impressed me most about her was her faithfulness to her husband and to her family. Yes, and uh, her persistence. Just like her father, he was a missionary in China. Probably kicked out at the Boxer Rebellion, like a lot of other mm. missionaries during that time. But uh, sad that she, her, of her passing. I, yes. I do yes. mourn her passing, but I'm thankful to God for her life and the fact that I got to know her. I hope that um, some older women will pick up where she left off, as if you will, and be willing to say, you know what? I have some experience in life. I love Christ. I understand his word and his claim upon my life. Let me take some younger women uh, under my wing and help train them in godly ways. The uh, the encouragement to do that is is important, and not only is it a an admonition in the New Testament to do so. Paul mm. does a, a admonish the older women to teach the young, uh, but it's necessary in our society today when we know that one of the great social problems we have is the family unit, mm-hmm. the amount of divorce, the amount of children that are being raised without fathers. Uh, women who don't know what to do and and how to uh, handle their situation. Yes, that can be be uh, very important, and that's the way Christianity is modeled. Well, when you came into the study slash studio here today, I've never seen you carry so many books on one visit as you did today. And um, I know that you have several subjects on your mind, looking at these huge books here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the things that came to my mind is some kind of a recent thought I've been thinking about, and that that is I'm thinking that we're losing our edge as uh, thinking men and women in America because we're probably spending too much time watching TV rather than doing the harder work of reading a book and um, using our brains. I think our brains become addled uh, with too much TV viewing. We are passive. We are being taught in our society to be passive. One of the things Edith Schaefer did was to try to teach people to be active. Mm-hmm. Uh, she and Francis would go on walks. They were active with people, interacted with people. Mm. Uh, I don't know that they even had a television in Switzerland. <laughs> and certainly in, in this country, I can remember her saying uh, to, to watch out for how much you watch television and do things. She was always encouraging yes. us to be active and to do things, yeah. but active in the mind. Yes. So I brought the books today to to say something on this um, uh, in memory of uh, 
of her and of Francis mm. Schaeffer, uh, they were not mindless Christians. It was not just rah, rah, rah with them. They were people yeah. of deep and profound substance, both of them. Mm. And um, uh, I, I brought the books just to talk about some things maybe <laughs> that we need to read to engage our culture the way they did. Yeah, well, hold that thought. We're up against a break. Today on A Plain Answer, we're talking about a parade of uh, people and various personalities and uh, influencers uh, of recent. Some of have passed. And uh, stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. In the studio with me today, Dr. John Vance. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about Edith Schaefer, and uh, then we had some commentary about television watching and books. Um, what's the next name you'd like to bring to our attention today? It, there's a new biography uh, out on C.S. Lewis. Hmm. And Alistair McGrath, a British theologian, who, by the way, never met Lewis firsthand, but a person who had a similar conversion uh, out of atheism as C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. did. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful biography. Let me say that this is not heliographic. What do I mean by that? It's not there just to pump C.S. Lewis as being some kind of saint because it's quite clear that he went through some dark periods in his life, particularly before he came to Christ and even afterwards, if you've ever mm-hmm read grief observed but i would encourage uh the listeners uh to begin to read some biographies of great people uh 
you're going to see two things. Uh, I think both sides of, p- of people. You know, we we tend to to um, make people more than they are. C.S. Lewis. Uh, I know. I, I I thought he was almost dropped out of heaven at one time and was just the perfect man. But mm-hmm. when you read the biography, you realize uh, that he had his own struggles. He has feet of clay too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and uh. But the point is that he he came to know a gracious God. He was surprised by joy, as he mm-hmm. put it, in in the area of around 1930. Uh, McGrath, what he does is redates his conversion, and he and he actually dug up a, a, a number of tidbits about C.S. Lewis that everybody that had dealt with him before missed. But I, I would encourage uh, that maybe foregoes an evening of of television watching once in a while, or even radio listening except for Redeemer. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I I agree with that wholeheartedly. uh, uh, We get bogged down in all the politics on the radio and this and that, and and have an evening uh, reading uh, about good biography. I have another work here. Uh, I am rereading, believe it or not, I'm rereading The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. I don't think most word. people know that he was in prison 12 years because he wouldn't shut his mouth about Christ. <laughs> he wouldn't toe the line. Uh, he, he spent two two periods in prison, one for about 12 years and the other one for a few months. Mm. And then finally the, the uh, religious and civil authorities said, you know, we're not going to cure anything in him that we find effective with this method. Yeah. So they, they really almost like the judge that was wearied to death, they – they let him go. <laughs> Gave what up, a as it were. wonderful work. Yes. It is. Yes. You know, I meant to mention uh, before you mentioned um, that work, when you were back on C.S. Lewis and Alistair McGrath, um, Alistair sometimes is heard on Just Thinking. He's with the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. From time to time, they place him on the air. So uh, that will not be a um, an unheard of name with some of the listeners. He's, a, he's an excellent scholar. Really, yeah. and and uh, uh, in the British style, they mm-hmm. differ a little bit from the Americans. But he yes. uh, was absolutely an excellent and is an excellent scholar. And this is a marvelous uh, a biography of Lewis. Yeah, but um, going forward to um, Bunyan, what was that man like? Besides being a prisoner, and besides talking a lot about the Lord Jesus, <laughs> you know, he supported his family from prison. He was called the Tinker. Yeah, His father was kind of a tinker that made things and did things, and uh, obviously Bunyan picked that up. Yeah. And while he was in prison, it wasn't quite the kind of prison we have today, but he, he was confined, but he was able to work with his hands, and he made things to support his family. And uh, Very good. it's amazing. Yes. Uh, there was no government help to support anyone, anything. He Isn't that amazing how people just managed to live somehow without government doles? <laughs> Whatever your hands find to do, do it. That's right. His his his, uh, his his work starts out, and and he had to have read, by the way, and and this is a point that I want to emphasize. Someone like John Bunyan was steeped in the best intellectual tradition of the West. Mm-hmm. He almost starts out his work in the same way that you find in the great works uh, uh, before him, in Dante's works and so forth, mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, he starts out in the Pilgrim's Progress in this way: As I walk through the wilderness of this world, mm. 
it's reminiscent of a number of beginnings where wilderness and woods are mentioned. And oh, yes. in a real sense, we are wandering in the wilderness today, aren't we? Yes. Maybe um, maybe this is new to somebody out there that you've never heard of this wonderful little work called Pilgrim's Progress. And um, it's by John Bunyan. And where could they pick that up? Well, I have a, a special little volume here. It's from the Folio Society. Uh, it costs too much. Yes. Don't buy from the Folio Society. <laughs> but you could go to Amazon. I got a search. free. I got a free almost for enrolling in the Folio Society. Oh, that's so, neat. Yeah. But it's probably worth 40 50 bucks that volume. Oh, yeah. But you can pick it up at Amazon, uh, yeah. paperback, uh, uh, same thing. Now same and then um, you may come across an old book store, you know, where they sell used books. And some of them, as I vaguely recall, have beautiful plates mm. in the book where yes. there's these drawings and I, I enjoy that about Bunyan because uh, uh, he's he's very graphic in his words, and some of the artists after him would would paint these plates to show what he's describing. Uh, you know, I would recommend that people hang out at a used bookstore and, yes. and do some of this. It, yes, it's it's entertaining too. It beats shopping. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, uh, my right. my wife and I picked up a copy of Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky that is beautifully done. Hmm. We picked it up, I think, for two bucks, and we got it home and That's began neat. to look at it, and we realized that it's worth 40 or $50. Wow. So, um, you know, it's a really good time to do this is, and I, I don't do it nearly enough myself, is on a Sunday afternoon, if you can manage coming home after church, after your meal sitting down, if you don't fall asleep, <laughs> uh, reading a good book, it's, it's a wonderful use of time. I had a minister recently say to me, and when I told him that I was uh, going to have to uh, do something with my library and pack some books up, he said, you, you still use books? Oh, yes. And he says, we got a computer. He says, I've gotten rid of all of my – I can't imagine that. <laughs> it's the feel of the book in your hand. It is. It's uh, – you can turn to any page and begin to read. There's Think how hard the, that is to do. There's even a, the smell of the book. The smell of the book. Oh, yeah. No oh, my. Let's still give up on that. Well, we've talked a little bit about – Edith Schaefer, C.S. Lewis, John Bunyan. Who else is on your mind today? Well, Margaret Thatcher's on my mind. Ah. What a wonderful lady. The Iron Lady. The Iron Lady. Um, I, I haven't read it yet, but I think I told you ahead of time. I picked up online. I, I, I started to read, and I didn't have, realize it was too long, her obituary in the New York Times. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 17 pages long. Very on long. the computer now. It wasn't that long in there. Sure, when you printed it yeah. out. Now, um, to characterize her, uh, I don't want to get in trouble here, but um, was she, um, economically speaking, was she a socialist or a capitalist? I'm sure some of the, the young people that may be listening to this might not know, but she clearly was uh, a free market capitalist. She was, yeah. I don't think most people know that when she came to power in 79 in Britain, uh, the trade unions uh, had practically ha- – was holding society uh, hostage mm. with their demands. Uh, things were breaking down. Uh, Britain was in worse shape than it had been in the entire century up to that point. Uh, it was not working, falling apart, and people were very concerned about if there was any future for Britain. And I'm old enough to remember those those times and so forth that governments – were too big to manage and handle, just like right. when Reagan came to power. Oh, yeah. The U.S. had got to the place where it was ungovernable. Yes. 
Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher, Baroness Thatcher, showed Great Britain the way out. Things got worse, by the way, before they got better. Yeah, that's not hard to believe. But it, London today may be the capital financial center of the world, and it mm. grows out of her period of time. Um, New York and London are considered uh, the two what they call greatest cities in the world for yes. culture and finance and so forth. And and she brought London back to that place. She brought uh, Britain back to that place. You know, I, I can't resist. It's like you threw out a bait and the fish is going to bite here. You mentioned <laughs> the trade unions. But here's something that's near and dear to my heart. I might as well share it. It's on my heart. Um, some of you know that several years ago I, I was part of the big layoff at IBM. And uh, I remember prior to that time, and it caught, totally caught us by surprise, but I remember prior to that Outside the cafeteria, there was these guys that were pushing union, you know, and they were handing out union literature. And at the time, I thought, I'm not interested in that. You know, I could care less about the union. Um, But then after I got laid off, guess what? I could still care less about the union. And I think it's in, very specifically, IBM's best interest that they don't allow and, and that the people there don't take that bait uh, of the union because it's not going to help a thing it's only going to hurt and so uh, i speak of uh, that with um, <laughs> gut knowledge uh, having been laid off and uh, still i would urge my f- fellow friends that still work for that uh, i belong to two or three unions in my time uh and um I, in west virginia where i'm from i can remember the stories about john l lewis the great labor unionist mm-hmm. maybe there was a time when unions uh, were needed. We've I've gotten, heard that. We've gotten to the place, at least today, where some of the municipal unions are holding cities. Yeah. Stockton, California has just gone under. Uh, now, th- they did preserve the union benefits, and they'll be paid out. Mm-hmm. But guess what? The people who bought the bonds are left holding the bag. Uh, mm-hmm. The balance is tipped in the wrong way, right. and it's hurting our country. It's very important right now that we... Uh, yeah. And I'm not opposed to unions per se, but I, I do believe that I would be better off having not had uh, yeah. my relationships in the way that I did. Yeah, and you would think a guy that had been laid off by a big company would, I would, think so. <laughs> would really be pro union, but I, I can't stand him. But anyway, uh, moving on, Margaret Thatcher truly was a great lady. You, you know, she had great courage. Um, do you remember the Falkland War? Mm. Uh, that was a surprise to her that Argentina would attack and take it. She immediately marshaled her forces, and it was a month before, uh, or or the day before, but they couldn't arrive there for a month, and they had no strategy because they didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. She planned for that entire war in that month while her ships were on their way. Everything that they could get, everything would float, started heading south down the Atlantic to the Falklands or what the Mm-hmm. Argentinians call the Malvinas never want for courage mm-hmm. and and people are saying and not just from uh, conservative quarters but they're saying that she uh, was probably the best peacetime except for this one little episode mm-hmm. the best peacetime prime minister that Britain has ever had it's very interesting so we'll see by yeah. the way I mentioned her because she's a she was a Christian she was Most a people don't know that. She grew up uh, as a Methodist. Her father owned a little shop, and I think they lived above. She learned free market capitalism from her father. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, all all her life, she she was a devout Christian. She, of course, became Church of England when she became Prime Minister. You mm-hmm. you have to, I think, be Church of England. Sure. And but uh, a devout Christian and and a woman of faith, and I believe that it's it's not a stretch to say at all that her courage and her foresight and her tenacity came from her Christian commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, I see we're getting close on time already today. Um, I I wonder if someone out there is saying, why are you guys so pro-capitalism? Um, my answer would be because I believe the scriptures and I'm a Christian. And you say, well, what on earth? How could that, how could that possibly be? Uh, don't we have the Sermon on the Mount and the socialistic tendencies of Jesus there? And I would just simply answer, take the whole Bible. Take the whole Bible itself. And um, first you've got the moral law of God, thou shalt not steal. And you have um, God's admonition of um, not taking from one person uh, that which is theirs and giving it, even if it's a Robin Hood approach, giving it to someone else, it's wrong because it's, it's person A's. It belongs to them. I think what we find in, in the New Testament um, is personal responsibility where we are obligated to live out love towards our neighbor, think of them, and uh, therefore freely, freely give in order to help another individual. And uh, that's not socialistic. That's right. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm uh, a person who, who deeply believes in freedom. I believe that is the gift and legacy of Christianity in the West. Mm. I think it's a rare thing, uh, a, a political... And economic freedom happened to be rare on the face of the earth in our history. Yes. And we've been given that legacy from Christianity. And today we're reversing that at the same time as we are beginning to see uh, persecution. And I'm not talking about right. persecution uh, in other countries. I'm talking about uh, maybe not overt persecution, but the kind of hatred toward Christians today mm-hmm. is unparalleled, I think, in our own national life. Yes. Well, I see we definitely are out of time now. Maybe we can pick up some of these themes uh, next week on A Plain Answer. Today we've been talking about a variety of subjects and personalities in this world, and um, we would invite you to listen again to this broadcast. It's up on our website. Check it out at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. In the studio with me has been Dr. John Vance. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. A Plain Answer. 